Gentles and armagers, ladies and lords, and all those who make their own definitions. I'm your host, Baron Andreas, and welcome back to this, the second episode of the MK Storycast. If you didn't catch our first episode, the MK Storycast is the accumulation of an idea I've had for years. In the modern world, the radio network NPR has a show called StoryCorps, wherein two people who know each other conduct an interview. There's also a show called The Known World Bardcast, hosted by my good friend, Lord Gideon App Stephen, which showcases bards from around the known world. These two shows inspired me to create this one. Sometimes we'll have songs, sometimes we'll have interviews. Mostly, though, our focus will be the Mid-Realm and SCA history stories, usually told by the people who were there at the time. Think you might have a story to tell? At the end of each episode, we'll talk about how to reach out to us to schedule a recording session. Now... In the first week of July, we traveled to the Mid-Realm Simple Day, which is at the same site as SCA 50-year, Mid-Realm 50-year, and for the past few years, both Better War Through Archery and Simple Day as well. So as a site, it's become quite familiar to us here in the Mid-Realm. We got to see some old friends and meet some new people, and also met some people who have been in the SCA for a long time, but we never knew them before. I must admit, I appreciate all the stories I'm told, but I love those kinds of stories the most because they are most often likely to teach me something new about someone I've known for a long time. So this month is the run-up to Penzik, and this episode actually drops while Penzik is going on, so we thought it might be fun to put together some Penzik stories for those of us not going to reminisce with. This month we have stories from Mistress Signy, Duchess Tanguistel, our good friend Baron Bredelwyn, and Baron Thomas von Lagenfeld. We'll also have some stories from some Aryton locals about their own Penzik discoveries as well. But now we start off with a story and song about new love from Lord Karl von Köln. My name is Karl von Köln, formerly of March of Three Towers, formerly of Cleftlands, currently of Sternfeld. And I actually have a song that I've hardly sung yet. It dates back a little ways. I wrote it to sort of commemorate how I met my lady. And she's the one that I'm currently married to. We met at a very small event, the, the smallest first event that March of Three Towers ever even held. And she invited me to a much larger event, which ended up being my first Penzik. So the juxtaposition of the two was mind-blowing at the time. And I wanted to put together a song to honor that memory. It's about the two weeks we spent finding each other at Penzik and a little about the event before, and I've named it Fortnight. Of this tourney all were told, lords and ladies young and old, minstrels fair and warriors bold, all were gathering there on the wall in the springtime of the year. A young lad's heart was smitten there By yon fair lass with long red hair Each gave the other a longing stare Whenever they drew near Tourneys end as tourneys must Leaving but footprints there in the dust The lad said he thought it unjust That two finding love apart shall be thrust In the springtime of the year. For this fate the lass had planned, Seek thou, said she, for the sylvan land, With lake and runestone close at hand, And there ye shall find me near. 
Summer came to forest and fen, beauty worthy of parchment and pen. Sick at heart the lad had been, his searching had yielded nothing, but then a village did appear. Up sprang pavilions and houses, high the lad saw his lass and called her nigh. What magic is this that meets my eye? She said, Brigadoon is here. She brought her lad to the village square. All seemed new and wondrously fair. Shopkeepers making and selling their wares, where moments before there had been nothing there in the summer of the year. Bakers and smithies, coopers and cooks, armor and weapons and lots of books. The last said, tis all as it looks, Scarborough Fair is here. Then rose a castle high on the hill, in field below the air had grown still. Soldiers gathered the field to fill, there to make war and do the king's will in the summer of the year. Brave men fought and brave men were slain, but no blood spilt nor left a stain. At Marshall's call the dead rose again, he saw Valhalla here. The setting sun brought war to an end, campfire and mead turned foe into friend. Falling stars their magic did lend to music and dancing around every bend in the summer of the year. Lad and lass heard tale and song round campfire bright and listened long. The night grew old, but they were young, and fiddlers green was here. A fortnight passed the village fay, its houses and shops were fading away. The lass said, We cannot stay, our little village passes today to return another year. But fear not, you may come with me, and I with you. We both shall be no more apart, and we shall see if love has started here. Hi, um, I'm Tame Ustal, and I was War Queen for the Middle Kingdom at Pensick 20. And um, one of the events at Pensick 20, of course, is great, is uh, Middle Kingdom Court, and it's always really long. and. About halfway through it, two of the knights came up the aisle and thundered down in front of the throne to tell us that uh, Middle Kingdom encampment had been overrun under new management by the Great Dark Horde. In fact, they put up for sale signs, they put under new management signs, they put a yurt in the middle of the courtyard, a cow, and they were charging people to cross over the road uh, as a fund for the Chirurgenet. So, once this was announced, there was only one thing to do, and that was to go down to Horror Camp and check out their real estate, quite frankly. Um, so, we got up. I got up. Uh, poor Gareth, the Kingdom Seneschal at the time, was a little bit dazed and confused, as was, I think, everyone. And we marched down to Horde Encampment. I banged on the door, or I think I had somebody bang on the door, and Seamus opened the door, one of the Horde guys, and he quickly shut the door and he ran away and said something on the other side about, oh my God, the court's here, 
the entire Middle Kingdom court is standing outside. And uh, now the story diverges in some ways. If you want one version of it, uh, Sir Alan Fairfax has one on how I got my true name, which is she who must be obeyed. But the truth of the matter was they tried to, they took all the beer and they tried to bribe me by giving me mare's milk, which is god-awful, pretty much. Um, I did drink it. That's how I know it's got awful. Um, and we negotiated that uh, they need to give back encampment and everything was going to be fine. Uh, and court recessed back to Middle Kingdom. Uh, we were in the barn at that time. What I heard years later was that two of the Horde guys had been up spying on the barn. And when they realized that the entire mid-realm was marching down to Horde encampment, they ran through the bushes to cut off short to Horde encampment, and they spent um, a couple of days in the Chiorginate treating poison ivy in unexpected places. It was a good time. We had a wonderful court, tried to get everyone involved. That was just one of the many memories, many things that happened at that Pensy. That, you know, it's a rule by implication, isn't it? Everybody's implicated, everybody's implicated in the rule. You're nothing without friends and accomplices. Now we have a story from Baron Bredelwyn about his first Penzik battle. And since it's Bredelwyn, we get to hear his harp as well. My first battle ever at a Penzik. I don't know what number of Penzik it was. It was a long time ago. And I remember it was supposed to be a castle siege. And they used hay bales. To mark off the castle. At the start of the battle. We were defending the castle. We were behind the hay bales armed and dangerous and determined to hold this castle. And the East supposedly was determined to take this castle. And I saw them, two groups, at the bottom of the hill, jog from either side to the center of the battlefield and stop and turn and then march 
march up the hill. And it was the most impressive thing I had ever seen. To me, it felt I was in the middle of a real battle and I was encountering a real enemy. And they marched forward and forward and forward they came. And then, and then, the clash bang of sword upon shield and the groans of people dying and they just marched and marched and marched up the hill up to my position and I was mightily stabbed and in sorely hurt and did die at that point. But the thing that lives with me of this Penzik being my first was how real it was to me, how wonderful it was to be a part of that. And it shall live with me forever. We were looking at some uh, Petsic films, some Petsic One films, and some Petsic. So I'll, I'll hold these photos up to the microphone here, where you can see. Um, they're Petsic One photos of archers, and pretty much everybody. No, let's say everybody, probably about half of the people at the event actually also participated in, in archery. Um, we, uh, there was you know, all manner of fighting, there was a live chess game. Um, the site did not have running water. There was a spring there that the state had, had certified um, as safe, and it was really good water if you let the silt um, you know, sort of sink to the bottom. Uh, yeah, it was great. Uh, the uh, there was a, a well, there were field battles, uh, but this was, I think, a castle battle, and uh, each side got a um, a piece of string, x number of feet long, and you could string this between trees out in the woods, and. Um, this is the tale of how the East Kingdom snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. Um, they went up on this very steep little hill, and they created an uh, unassailable fortress up there with their strength. Uh, and I say unassailable because it had been raining. People think of Pensac 4 as rain, but it, it, there was a lot of rain at Pensac 1. And about the time that somebody had come up this fairly steep little hill and taken one swing, they would slide back down. Yeah, it was great. And the opening had to be five feet. And they could have held off for years, uh, but they didn't. The uh, crown prince of the middle did a suicide charge <laughs> out of their impregnable fortress at the top of the hill. And they all died gloriously. Uh, but uh, that's, uh, and that's how I got killed as a non-combatant. I was, uh, I had taken a, a TV crew in there and they're filming and um, the rules for that battle, this offensive one, was that if you're dead, you, you took your helm off. And this is one of the reasons why they changed that rule. 
Um, I was standing there behind some trees with the crew, and um, all of a sudden, out of the woods comes someone uh, from the east, and he sees us, and he runs toward us. Um, his glasses are totally fogged up. He can't see. He's all excited and full of adrenaline and uh, decides to kill us. <laughs> you know, um, I'm going, oh, he's, he is going to destroy this very expensive uh, camera. Oh, oh, no, he's also going to destroy me. Um, and I had picked up somebody's buckler, so I put it in, over my head so he couldn't hit my head. And then, a little belatedly, I said, you know, if I fall down dead, he'll stop hitting me. So he did stop hitting me. And um, so we changed the rules. Just don't take your helm off <laughs> just because you're dead. Um, and when we came out, remember I said it was raining, um, Beringer, uh, he, was, he was not uh, Count Beringer yet, but uh, uh, Beringer and I came out at the same point near my car. There was a long dirt road that he plowed in. Um, and that was great. It went over a dry stream bed, which had turned into a wet stream. And we had this long line. Everybody's parked along the road, this mud road, you know. And uh, uh, somebody had tried to leave, and they were stuck already. And we thought, this, this is doomed. This is doomed. Uh, so we went back, and Berger said, all right, you know, nobody leaves until we figure out how to get everybody out. And so we did. Um, and uh, formed sort of a bucket brigade. Uh, the people, we got the, the first car out and they went and actually got a tow truck stationed up there. We didn't really need it, but just in case. And we um, pushed everybody out, including Fatty Lumpkin. This was a vehicle owned by uh, um, Andrew Seldomrest. Uh, it was a decommissioned airport shuttle vehicle and it was about one and a half times the size of a Suburban. It, it seated 12 and it had luggage capacity. It was immense and um, got fatty out of there too. Uh, and everyone was covered with mud um, and a bunch of us decided, oh, we've got to eat something. There is a, uh, a root beer stand and they had curb service. So good, we don't have to go in. But once we got there, the whole place is full of SCA people, full of mud. So we all went in, and we had had such a great time up to our teeth in mud and everything that we said, we've got to do this again. <laughs> and we did, and we're up to um, this coming war is what, 48. 48, I've been to the mall. Um, there's one other person also from um, Northwoods, Foscow Duda, um, who uh, has fought in at least one war point battle for every single Pensac. And um, he was in college when he joined the SDA, and it's been almost, as I said, 48 years. He's, he's probably on Medicare by now, but he gets out there and he fights anyhow. Uh, so the two of us are, are the two last. The, the uh, two people that had been to the most prior to us were also from Northwoods. Uh, Marowald to Sylvaston, Duke Marowald, and Duke Finvar to Tom. Uh, so I guess we're just slow learners. I don't know, but we have had a great time. I can't imagine um, what it would have been like if we'd had a clue that we'd still be doing this after 50 plus years. So that's not the only story we have about a non-combatant getting into trouble in a battle at Penzik, so stay tuned. Next, though, we have a story from Baron Thomas, 
who is one of Duke Moonwolf's senior squires, about a time before he took up the red belt from his grace. I am Right Honorable Lord Baron Thomas von Langenfeld, Dragon Herald Emeritus, Squire of Moonwolf. I joined back in 77 during the reign of Merowald and Kirsten. We fast forward to the summer of 78. Moldmolf and Zirina are now the king and queen. I, being a freshly minted pursuivant, have arrived at the war with my stick and reported to the Dragon Herald, Folo. What do you want me to do? He points at Her Majesty and says, take messages for her. So from that point on, I shadow Her Majesty. I had arrived at the war fully equipped with a cot, a sleeping bag, my SCA garb, and some money. No food, no drink, no cooler, no tent. I lived out of the Cooper's store on ice cream sandwiches and jerky. So I am shadowing Her Majesty. It is day before the big field battle and the woods battle. It had what they called a wood stalk in which all the fighters are given a favor to carry. They fight individual bouts. Winners take the favors from the losers. You lose your favors, you're done. It runs for an hour and a half. I am at this point, like I said, shadowing Her Majesty, who turns to me. It is roughly about noon. This stalk had been in the morning. The weather, it's in the 90s. She turns to me, she says, tell his majesty, you have reneged on your promise to judge known world arts and science competition. I turn, take my stick, and run off to their camp, where I find Moonwolf having arrived from the Woodstock. He's the only one in camp. He strips his helmet. He strips off his gorget. He's got his back to me. He had looked over and seen me and gave one of those looks of, what now? She has no idea who I am. It's just a guy with a stick. And he turns back to go to continue taking off of his, his armor. And I say to him, Her Majesty says, Your Majesty has reneged on his promise to judge the arts and sciences competition. I see his shoulders slump. Standing before me is Mike Longcore. He pauses. I know what's going through his mind, something along the lines of, I can't kill him because Z would have me strung up and then he turns and he looks at me and he says tell her majesty i am on my way i tell him her majesty is at this time cruising cooper lake in decrease mather's dragon ship he looks he nods i leave
Hello, my name is Don Arneson. I'm, uh, uh, that's my normal name. Uh, SCA name is Valdemar, son of Arn. Um, lived near Chicago, been in SCA about three years or so. Uh, Pensick was really interesting because of this, the seminars that were there and some of the, some of the education you could get uh, from dancing was good and uh, and some things that I, I've heard about but never really got a chance to explore or or confirm that that thing even some of those stuff even exist but there was one guy um, that had a hour seminar about a sunstone and the uh, the uh, legends are that there was a a device that the navigator on a ship that had no real before compasses and had no real way to navigate without the sun. Uh, there was a thing called a sunstone, and the guy had one at this thing, and he really explained how it worked. Uh, it turns out to be a, a piece of crisp quartzite that was polished on two ends. Uh, simple thing. It's a you know about an inch square maybe a half inch thick, uh, and you drew, the guy drew a line on one side of it, a black line on one, one end. And it was overcast at Fensick that day, so we all went outside and we got a chance to, we knew where the sun was because we knew what time it was, but if you look through the, the quartzite opposite the, the line, if you point it towards the sun, you see two lines, not just one. And that indicates that the sun is that way, and you can move it around and the, it'll get kind of a little bit foggy or a little lighter, but if you're in the direct line of the sun, which was under a cloud, you could see two lines, and that's where the sun was. And since then, uh, I did get to use it, and I was trying to find one. Uh, I never found one with a line on it, but I do have a piece of quartzite um, that I think will, 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 I think it's the right stone. Uh, but since then, um, I learned that the navigator, or the, the, the uh, captain is the, the highest paid guy on the boat. The navigator is the second highest boat, highest paid guy. And there have been wrecks where they could find a sunstone close to the tiller of the boat uh, in the wreck. So I guess um, it really was that thing. So. Hi, my name is Diana Arneson. My SCA name is Isabeau de Chantepie. And I have been in SCA for just about three and a half, four years, something like that. Um, it's... I had heard of the Society of Creative Anachronism, but I really didn't have much of an idea of what it was. I assumed it was something sort of Victorian, where people all went to meetings and sat around talking about Victorian inventions. I don't know where I got that idea. But um, one day, a couple of friends of ours invited us to the Bristol Renaissance Fair. And I decided we should wear something vaguely Renaissance looking. So I started looking online for something and uh, I kept coming across the initials SCA and I thought, what is this? And then I looked, oh, Society of Creative Anachronism. So I started to uh, 
I, I also noticed, by the way, something that I think is very funny now. Someone made a remark about you can never have too much garb, and I thought, I don't get that. Why would you need more than one outfit? <laughs> well, we, we discovered that there was an SCA meeting within walking distance of our house, and uh, we both went there. Now, my husband, I didn't think he'd be very interested because his interest has always been more like 19th century American West. But I was always interested in the Middle Ages. He went to the first meeting and he came home and I said, what did you think of it? And he said, it's really nice being around people who do things. These people do all kinds of things and it's really interesting. They don't sit around watching TV all the time. We've been in it ever since. We have a whole closet of garb now and I'm currently working on another piece and hoping to go to our second Pensick in a couple of weeks. And so how was that first Pensick that you went to? It was very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, um, it was so overwhelming with um, <clears throat> so much to do. I mean, the events are fun. I can always find things to do at the events, but with Pensick, it was like, which of the 120 things do you want to do at 9 o'clock today? So what did, you, what did you do? What was your thing? Dancing. <laughs> I loved the dancing, yeah. Every night they had dances in the dance tent with um, all different types of medieval and um, Renaissance dancing. I was very impressed because my husband didn't go with me, and I went there and I got to dance with a knight. <laughs> I remember times from my first few Pensics where the magic happened, and I'm sure you do too. Someday we'll do a special episode focused just on those kinds of moments. Now, though, we have two stories from Baroness Hilary of Arryton, which will, I hope, bring a smile to your face. This is Hilary of Langford, uh, sharing a couple of Pensick stories. I'm going to start with the Runestone Hill story because I think that's my favorite. Um, a very long time ago when I was brand spanking new, like, brand spanking new. It wasn't authorized, wasn't at, within my first year, maybe second, I was at Pensick and I was completely enthralled with fighting and completely enthralled with fighters and I was being healthy. Um, like when I'd go off to the field and, you know, try to offer to help somebody help carry this or help tape that or do whatever people needed done because it was just the most cool thing ever. And I was walking down around the lake to visit some people early in the morning, and there wasn't a lot of camp set up on Runestone at this time. It was, it was 22, 23, somewhere around there. So very, quite a while ago, and I saw a guy trying to carry a shield and his armor and all of his stuff um, down the hill. I'm not sure why he was going down the hill that early in the morning, but he was heading down the hill. So I offered to carry a shield for him. And it was slippery, and it was dewy, and I tripped, and I fell on the shield, which became a bobsled. And he was in front of me, and I ran into him, who then landed on the shield, and we both slid part of the way down Runestone Hill on the top of his shield. And when we got to the bottom, he said, that was the best ride I've had all day. <laughs> True story, it happened. Uh, my other Pensick story, when I was a very enthusiastic um, and not yet authorized, I realized that I could be a scout and get authorized as a scout. 
and thought that would be the coolest thing ever because I would, I would go and sneak and peek and be all subterfuge and ninja-like. And I really didn't pay attention to the rules as well as I should have. I just had it in my head that I was going to, you know, run around the woods and save the day and discover the flag and get words back or whatever it was that was supposed to be happening. I honestly didn't have a clue. So I took my um, happy little helmet and my brown and gray, yes, I'm going to blend into the, with my blonde hair sticking out of the helmet, I'm going to blend into the woods and no one will see me. And as I'm wandering along, I found a, a tree branch and I thought it'd be really good. I heard people coming. I'm like, okay, I can hide in the tree. So I tried to climb up into the tree. I, this is illegal. I find this out later. I tried to climb up into this tree to hide so that the enemy troops don't find me and I can spy on them from the tree because it seemed like a great idea at the time. And I got a leg up and I got an arm up and I got another leg up and I was starting to pull myself up into the tree when I heard a voice from underneath me say, Scout, you're dead, which surprised me. So I let go of the tree branch. And I landed on the enemy soldier who was trying from the east, who was trying to tell me that I was dead. And uh, he took it. He took the blow, <laughs> decided he was dead, and we both wandered back to Resurrection Point. I was the only scout, I think, that killed a fighter. Quite an accomplishment. Thank you. And with the story of the scout who killed the fighter, that's all we have for today. Our stories and songs today have come from Lord Carl von Kohn, Duchess Tanguistel, Baron Bredelwin, Mistress Signy, Baron Thomas, Lord Vladimir, son of Arne, Lady Isabeau de Chantepie, and Baroness Hilary of Langford. Thanks to all of our contributors, and thank you, friends, for listening to Season 1, Episode 2 of the MK Storycast. Stay tuned for next month's episode, which will probably be a random selection of stories I've recorded unless opportunity presents itself for a theme, because almost all of my friends will be at Penzec. And after that, who knows? Tell us what you think. If you would like to record a story for our show, please visit us by searching for the MK Storycast page on Facebook and send us a message, or visit us at mkstorycast.com. If you would like to support our work, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash mkstorycast, where you can choose from a variety of tiers to help us in our mission to record the history of the Middle Kingdom and the SCA. Your support helps us by enabling us to travel, record, produce, and host this podcast. Thanks to everyone who supports us as a Patreon, and a special thanks to our Messina supporter, the Honorable Lord Oswin Swan. All stories in this episode recorded by Andreas Blackwood, except where otherwise noted. Our intro, interstitial, and credits music is Amoroso by Musica Subterranea, all rights reserved. The MK Storycast logo was designed by Lord Gideon App Stephen. The MK Storycast is an independent production from a paper muse and is in no way affiliated with or beholden to the Society for Creative Anachronism or any of its ruling bodies. Until we next meet, thank you for listening. See you soon, and don't forget, everyone has a story. Everyone has a story.